Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Megan Sinisi, Miss Pennsylvania 2021 and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. I am also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University of Missouri. And I am Francesca D'Alessandro, Miss Thousand Islands of New York, serving my community through AAA appreciation and awareness for autism. I am also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University at Buffalo. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Alexis Lyman is an autism self-advocate who was diagnosed with autism at the age of 11. She now works as a daycare and preschool professional. Alexis enjoys public speaking and held the prestigious title of Miss Montana 2012, where she expanded upon her advocacy work for the autism community. She also was voted as America's Choice in 2013 when she graced the Miss America stage in Las Vegas, Nevada. So we were so excited to have you on today, Alexis, and it looks like you have a guest with us too. Yes, uh, she was starting to quack, so I had to grab her. <laughs> Uh, What's her name? Little, little Maddie Cat. Madeline Aww. Catherine Cat. So we call her Maddie Cat. <laughs> well, we love to have on more guests, and we're happy to have on Maddie today as well. Um, and before we start our conversation, we always like to speak with our self advocates and address the differences in language preference. So there's first person language, or sorry, person first language, which is saying person with autism, and there's a diagnosis first language, which is saying, uh, autistic person. So do you feel like you identify with one over the other as we address um, our conversation throughout today? Yeah, this is a, a question I get posed a lot. Um, I personally, I'll tell you right now, I don't really care. Like as, as long as it's kind of be, like, you know, it's being acknowledged and I, like it's, you know, it, people are not trying to be disrespectful. I don't really care. You know, I've, I've had people, you know, you know, say and discuss like, artistic but also like oh this post like very condescending also the other way so it's I've, I've heard it bad both ways and I've heard it fine both ways I just figure like you know I think right now especially there's other things to be more upset about <laughs> so I really don't personally care but I know a lot of people that's a point of contention so it is very nice that you guys do ask absolutely we always like to approach it with um the perspective that everyone has their own preferences. And if we can start off a conversation by asking that, then we can show respect throughout the conversation to do so. But you're right, there are so many things to worry about in our world that sometimes there's little details. It seems like, oh, why do we worry so much? But I think over time, language, it's so interesting. It changes every day, every year, something different is out there. I understand why people get upset about it. I'm not trying to like say, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, cause you know, there's people feel differently about very different things and their emotions shouldn't be like just sideswept because it doesn't seem like a big deal you know we don't know other people's stories or anything like that so it's very important that that question is asked but you know as personally you know I grew up in the middle of nowhere Montana <laughs> and like, I didn't even know I had autism until I was 11 so it it to me it doesn't personal I personally doesn't matter to me um but it is amazing that you guys even take the time like to ask because so many people just don't 
Absolutely. Well, we acknowledge that everyone's feelings are valid. So on this series, we like to share why some people feel one way or the other. And um, your perspective is that, you know, it's it's fine either way. Um, so that just lets other people know that for a lot of people, it, it is that way. But you did mention that your diagnosis didn't come until you were about 11 years old. And we've learned throughout our advocacy that that's often the case for girls and, and young women. So if you're comfortable sharing, could you talk us through the process of what it was like receiving an autism diagnosis and what that looked like for you specifically? It's, it was, it's a long story. It, it, the story takes 11 years. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it was a very strange case because, you know, in Montana, we, we didn't have any resources. We, we didn't really know what autism looked like at the time, like everyone. And, you know, I have a, I have a twin sister. So when, you know, the symptoms started showing up, they showed up real fast and like they were very noticeable because not only did I have a direct person to compare to, but, you know, she was also excelling to the point where she was actually overachieving past our age group and I was not even getting to the average of our age group. And, you know, we went through so many different, like, you know, we went, to, we reached out to just people in the community because at that point we felt that's all we had. So that like people said, oh, she's just in a phase, like the, you know, the typical things we all hear just in a phase or, you know, she's upset because her sister is doing so well, or um, she's just lazy. Um, and then like, of course, like even my mom got accused of bad parenting from time to time, despite the fact that she had three other kids who were doing just fine. Um, so it was very just an odd experience for my parents and even for me because you know I wasn't unaware of what was going on I knew something was off and so my mom started taking me to uh, this doctor um, and he misdiagnosed me as depressed and so at this point I think I was nine or ten and he put me on so many antidepressants <laughs> to the point where um my mom was actually thankful that I got the flu like later that year because then we just went to a family doctor and our family doctor was like a family friend. He was, he'd watched us grow up and he was, <laughs> he's just this happy like Southern gentleman from Arkansas and he was just like this sweet guy and I'd never seen this man mad and oh my gosh when my mom told him like okay she's on this medication and this is the dosage he nearly flipped a table. He was so mad. He, apparently, I was on um, this dosage you would give an adult male. And I was a pre prepubescent girl. Um, and so we started tapering me off of that. And then it really became like, okay, if it isn't the depression, then what is it? And so I started going to doctors all around the state because at the time we only had one pediatric neurologist in the state, the entire state of Montana. And he's no longer even there. So. <laughs> Uh, if anyone listening is planning on opening a pediatric neurology uh, practice, uh, go to Montana. You'll have a monopoly. <laughs> it's it's going to be great for you. But um, it, and that took nine months to get an appointment with him. So my mom was taking me to every doctor she could think of. And um, meanwhile, the antidepressants actually made me black out an entire year of my life. So I actually don't remember my sixth grade year at all. People have told me stories. Um, I remember my best friend coming in, like best friend's dad coming into class once and just embarrassing her. 
and then leaving like that, that for some reason that came up I think that's when they were starting to like like taper me off of them but for some reason that's like one of my only memories of my sixth grade year and um so finally we went in and he, he told me I had autism and I didn't know what that meant my parents were like so excited they were like oh my gosh we finally have an answer we finally move forward we can figure stuff out and get her like and I was just like I don't know what this is and quite frankly I don't really care at that point I was just so fed up I was like I am 11 years old I am practically an adult <laughs> like um I just figured all the first impressions I was ever going to make were made and I, I was angry I was like just done and it wasn't until like my parents started like pushing me to be more involved and getting out of my comfort zone that I started feeling more and more comfortable with my diagnosis. It wasn't until my senior year of high school where I finally accepted it. Um, but it took a long time for me to even understand what it was. Like I was so fed up at that point is like, I, would, I knew I had autism, but for some reason immediately I forgot about it because it wasn't important to me. So, you know, those, those autism ads would come on TV and I'd be like, what's that mom? And she's just like, we went through so much and you don't even know what it was. She was, she just like, she was gripping the table, just like, <laughs> but it, it looked like that. And it's from what I understand, a lot of girls uh, who are diagnosed around middle school age feel that. And it is quite upsetting because, you know, there is this male bias in the autism community. And I don't know if what I went through was necessarily that, but, you know, the doctor who diagnosed me as depressed, the reason I said he was, first off, a bad doctor is because first he put a kid on Zoloft who, <laughs> and you don't do that. <laughs> but he also only, he never looked at me the entire time he was diagnosing me. He never like looked me in the eye he never looked over me like witnessed my neuroses or anything like that he literally just sat there looking at a paper asking me questions and I remember very clearly well like thinking well fine if he's not gonna look at me I'm not gonna look at him and so I just looked at the clock I was in there for at least seven minutes and 58 seconds and next thing you know a year of my life is gone I don't remember it and it was, I hope to God that part of the story is not common. It's just, you know, I can't personally say that was because of bias. I think that was more because of an inept doctor thinking he knows better. Um, it, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's just like, oh, it's just this girl. Like, you know, I would have probably been institutionalized for hysteria at, like in the 1500s, so who, who knows? But it's, it's very hard to say what was the reason why it took so long. But looking at the data now, it wouldn't surprise me. I think part of that, um, why it takes so long is because of the lack of research and awareness at that time too. But I also want to just say, thank you so much for being vulnerable and honest and open and raw about that process for you because it's painful. Um, and I can even hear it in your voice, how difficult it was for you to go through because that's not something you just get over. 
Um, and ultimately, like you said, it's you kind of felt like it was always who you were. So at one point you just didn't care um, because of everything. But um, I do know that a lot of our viewers have gone through uh, difficult processes themselves and it's all looked a little bit different. So I'm hoping that whoever's listening today can feel like they relate and feel like they're not alone and feel like there is some kind of light at the end of the tunnel for them, whether that be an answer or services or maybe just some kind of um, hope. So really thank you so much for taking that time to explain it to us and uh, because I know it can't be easy at all. It's, it's not necessarily, it's not easy. I, you know, I'm 27 now and it's, it's not that it's necessarily hard. What's hard is um, hearing the accounts of like what my family was going through through that time. Because for me, like I experienced it, it was, it was very difficult, but at the same time, it was difficult because I just didn't understand what normal was. So I was trying to be that and failing miserably because no one knows how to describe how their brain works. Mm -hmm. So I, like, it was very hard to just like, cause like, I remember very clearly going to a convention with my mom, you know, when I was Miss Montana and we were going, oh, uh, someone was on the stage explaining something about sensory issues. And that was something that had never occurred to my mom. Cause like if we had no resources, my mom wrote my IEPs. Like, I, you know, my school district had no idea what to do. Um, it was, so she just kind of stopped and turned to me while this woman is talking and I'm stopping as well. Cause I was like, that's not everybody. <laughs> I thought everyone experienced this stuff. And so like, she, especially she was talking, like one thing she brought up was grocery stores and my mom just gripped the table and she's just like, oh my god because <laughs> I hated going to the grocery store she tried to bribe me with like oh I'll give you a candy bar and everything like that because she just wanted me out of the house and uh, to get me out and I was like you know I was a kid I was screaming I was yelling in the grocery store and uh everyone was like giving our side looks and everything and they thought I was just throwing a tantrum and my mom just like is that what it's like and I was like is that what it's not like <laughs> <laughs> we had this moment of just like wow because it was just strange because we were more focused on getting me through school at that point like helping me out through my academics and stuff like that so she didn't realize like I never am able to ignore the feeling of the shirt on my back or anything like that like I'm always aware of it and constantly like I can't ignore anything I touch or hear or like and why loud like noises freaked me out or anything like that so Autism is definitely something you continue to learn about as you live through it. Just because you don't know how the other half lives, you don't know uh, because they can't explain it. <laughs> and so it's very strange when someone comes up to me, it's like, well, you know, my kid has autism, can you explain? I was like, no, I really can't. I can tell you how it is for me and all the stuff I found out up till now. But again, my experience may be completely different. And it's, it's so hard to get that through some, like, some uh, people's heads. It's just like, these will work for me. It may work for you, but that's not a guarantee. Well, I think this is actually a really good segue into our next question that we had. What are some of the autism traits that you find have helped provide positive assets to your life or maybe who you are? 
Um, well, I can tell you a trait right now that has helped me immensely, especially in my current profession as a preschool professional, um, is I, don't, I keep forgetting what it, the technical term of it is called, but I perceive all sound at the exact same volume. So sounds tend to be the thing that if I'm going into a meltdown, it's probably over something I heard. And, um, but, uh, you know, like I'll be working in the office because I tend to have an office job now, but I was trained in the classrooms. I know every kid in this, the daycare, every teacher, and I will be hearing conversations the teachers are having with kids. I know kind of what they're learning and everything like that without ever leaving my desk. And, um, which has been great because, you know, with coronavirus and everything like that, everyone's been so short staffed. So there's not a lot of opportunities I get nowadays. It's just to get up from my desk and go to check the classrooms and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, so I love creative writing. That is one of my biggest passions in life. I hope to one day like have, you know, books out. Uh, that would be my greatest like bucket list of just having a book published. That'd be so cool. Um, but recently I've like, I've just been dabbling with one word set, like, you know, the one sentence uh, stories, like that was everyone who take, took a creative writing class knows all about one sentence stories. And then like, I was, I was just writing a whole bunch of those out, just kind of like, just at work, just like on my like notepad. And I saw one that I really liked. I was like, oh, okay, like, this, could, this could be something else later. And so instead of like, just trying like looking at the blank page, I just typed up that um, sentence and then I just broke it down to who, what, where. And now I have like 10 pages of like, like not like single spaced of just characters in this story. And I'm so excited about that. Um, probably to the point that actually hurt me at work that day because I was just like, in a minute! <laughs> It's like I forgot I was doing a job for a second. That's so and, cool. Well, we'll be looking forward to your publication. <laughs> Hopefully anytime soon, but I appreciate it. But um, another thing, I've been getting into reading more. Um, I've been reading a lot of uh, fiction books because that's, you know, the type of stories I like to write, just like make-believe. I love like sci-fi, fantasy stuff. Um, my current obsession right now is actually Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so I've been playing a lot of D&D &D with uh, some friends of mine down here. And it's, if you guys haven't tried it, it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like group therapy too. It's just like, you get to be someone else for a little bit. Like the stresses of Alexis just go away. Cause I get to be, you know, uh, Theseus the bard <laughs> you know that's some advice that I was given recently going into Miss America is channel whoever your alias is that when you're having a rough day or you just need to channel some energy in a different way have an alias and and just pretend like you're Beyonce for a day <laughs> you know so I totally understand that and I think that's so cool that you discovered that without really trying to, and then it ended up being something that you enjoy doing, but then you, you get a benefit out of it as well. Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you have community in that area. Yes. It's, it's one thing that forces you to socialize it. And it, but like, I don't get nervous about it because I'm, I feel like I'm making up like, like I'm with these like fake people, but real people are controlling the fake people. So it's, it's still socializing and then it's just a great time 
and it's just also like a bunch of nerds getting together so like there's no pressure <laughs> it's just like I don't have to be like uh you know because sometimes especially you ladies know like once you're wearing the crown just gotta gotta be professional all the time everything's great like I can slouch when I'm playing d and I don't have to worry about my posture <laughs> oh my gosh well I love learning more about what makes you tick and your interests and how they help you in your everyday life and also in your profession. I think that's really interesting to hear that hearing different things at all the same volume has been an asset to your life and has maybe helped you cut a little corners and save some time along the way. Um, so that's really cool that those those kinds of things about your experience with autism have, have been a benefit to you. Um, on the flip side, we were also curious about any characteristics that might make life a little more challenging, or we know specifically that the world isn't necessarily designed for people with disabilities in general, but especially autism, because every single person experiences the world differently. So what are some of those things that might be challenging to you? And then what advice might you give so that we can bridge the gap and make the world more accessible and less difficult in those areas? That just the acknowledgement of like, we, that this society is not one size fits all. Like, I think everyone goes through like, you fit into society or you're wrong. And like, that is such a poisonous mindset to have. And the fact that, you know, things are getting a little better. Like I'm like partnered with Zappos Adaptive, which is just getting sensory friendly clothes. So people don't have to just sit and fidget with their tag all day, or, you know, don't worry about their seams. Or if there's that one kid who only likes one shirt and the parents can't get them to change that shirt, they have like inside out, like clothes that actually look good. And it's like, it, the fact that like, just even clothes are getting more adaptive. And, you know, a lot of office buildings now are like building safe rooms on floors. Like, so like if someone feels like they're about to have a meltdown, they can go in there. And it's, it's, it, it's a step in the right direction, but at the same time, it's not enough. It's considering how big the autism community is, it's just gotta be the point of just like, we need to teach it in schools and everything like that. That's like different doesn't necessarily mean wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean weird or like side glance or anything like that. It deserves attention, but at the same time, so does the person who has the autism. <laughs> like just, they're not just autism with a pair of legs running around. It's a person who's struggling, but at the same time, they also have, uh, especially they may be a great D&D player or like they may like wanna try sports or something like that. and. And it's almost to the point where it's just like, and I did miss, um, when I did Miss Montana, I was very underprepared because I didn't expect to win that year. So I was kind of going in, kind of testing the waters. Cause first off, I grew up hating pageants to be perfectly honest. I did not like pageants. I thought they were like dumb, a waste of time. But I also had this in my head. of just like, well, that's for normal girls. And I'm not that, so I can't be that. So I grew up this whole mentality of like, that's not for me. Um, so I shouldn't even waste my time thinking about it. And just the fact that I grew up thinking that, granted, of course, shenanigans happened and I ended up 
being one of the things I thought I couldn't be. But um, just I grew up like that shows that, you know, society has shown like put up these pedestals of these people who are considered the uh, pinnacles of normal, the pinnacles of society's best. And not once has it ever been someone with autism or anything like that, even before I showed up or, you know, uh, Susan Boyle showed up. Um, it's, uh, and then like the people who, you know, who have been icons for years, like Dan Aykroyd or anything like that, they didn't come out till later about that they've had this all along. It's always been like something we don't mention. And it's like, it's strange. And though that's changing, it's still not changing enough. It's, it, and it's, it's very difficult to talk about even now because I can see that an effort is being made and I don't want to stifle that and being like, it's not enough, how dare you like go further or something like that. But we shouldn't have to constantly be like, I'm here, I'm a person, but I still need these this addressed. I don't want to be embarrassed about. It. So I go at work. I'm like, I'm I'm open about it. I talk about it, everything like that. And it's strange to see like just people at work or anything like that just be like surprised or anything like that. It's, they shouldn't be. It's like considering the statistics, they really shouldn't be. But it's it's. I just I just wish like we were more involved in schools with neurodiversity being a thing instead of just like, oh, this girl, she needs to go to the, the special ed room or something like that. It's just like, that's not challenging her enough. That's not putting her out of her comfort zone or anything like that. Like people with autism need to be challenged. And it breaks my heart when I go to these conventions and I see these grown adults who, you know, they're verbal, they're, they're functional, everything like that. Yet their parents are still talking for them. That breaks my heart. And I've even had a parent, like, like their son really wanted to talk to me, but she, she kept on shushing him because she was talking to me for him. And eventually I just told the woman to step aside and so I could talk to her son. And yes, did he get off topic a lot? Yeah, did he like everything like that? But he has that skill to do that. He, he can talk to me. Like, it's almost like parents with people, uh, children with autism, they're like, I, granted, this is obviously not all of them, but I've seen a very big uptick and parents are just like, it's the bless their heart raising of their kids. And it's not good. <laughs> it's like, okay, I have a child with autism. What do I need to do to make sure that they're still having their needs met, but I can still work with them. I can still push them to get out of their comfort zone, like move forward and be independent that they don't have like, and still teach them, you know, manners, like boundaries and things like that. And that's one thing with preschool I work at, I've definitely taught all the kids, not even, because all the kids need to be, uh, learn about this is just like, never touch someone without their consent. Because, you know, you have these adorable, beautiful, adorable kids. And all you want to do is just like, come here, give me hugs, oh my gosh. And of course, they're so adapted that they'll just run at someone and like, t like try to hug them. And I'm just, and I can't be touched by people unless I know it's coming. Mm -hmm. So if a kid's running at me from behind, last thing I want to do is like freak out and yell because that, that's going to scare the kid. 
So what I've done is just like, I will not hug you unless you ask for a hug. If you come up and ask for a hug, you can have as many hugs as you want. I'm so happy to give you a hug because I'm a hugger, but I have to be the one initiating it. And I explained to them, I sat down, I was like, you know, some people out there, they don't like to be touched. And that doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean they won't want to support you. But sometimes you just got to remember that that's their space. And if they, they don't know you're in their space, that can really freak someone out. And some kids took to it very well and other kids did not. <laughs> so, but it's the fact that that lesson is there. That needs to be taught everywhere. People need their boundaries respected and they need like, but at the same time, it's like they should be open like, hey, I don't like being touched. Everyone just needs to be aware of the boundaries. Not even if they have autism. It's like, that's just something that needs to be addressed because I know many neurotypical people who don't like being touched. It's the same, it's just, it's what the thing is, long story short, what I'm trying to say is it's like teaching the lesson that people on the spectrum need to be taught for their sake is also beneficial for people when, when, on, who are neurotypical. And so I don't get why it's taking so long to like make this more mainstream of just having society be adaptable rather than forcing someone to adapt to it. Well, I think that something key you said was respect. And um, so I'm currently working as a speech language pathologist full time in the schools, like we had mentioned right before this episode. And before every lesson, we do two things. Um, we talk about our feelings. And then we also go over the rules, which in one of them is respecting people's boundaries and we keep our hands to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, I really start out every session like that. So it's clear. And some of the kids know, you know, Others are okay to have hugs and stuff, but for the most part, we always know to keep our hands to our bodies because it's about respecting other people's bodies and our own. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. It kind of affirms everything that I've been doing in my own session, but also- well, It's yeah. also very difficult too, because you know, the kids, kids are the greatest scientists on the place and planet. They're learning everything. They got to see how things feel, got to see what the things sound like. They got to see what this sounds like if you throw it against a wall. It's just like- they're, they're trying to figure the world out. And I do not want to discourage that. That's why I always say like, ask. You have to ask before you do something like that. Because you may see like someone wearing a cool shirt they've never seen before. Like, I want to know what that shirt feels like. Ask them before you do it. And it's like, I don't want to discourage like, you know, affection or anything like that. It's just more of a sake of just like, first off, also time and place. Like, this may not be hug time. Like, I, so many kids, if I'm helping them, like, we have a hall bathroom. If I'm helping them, like, in and out of the bathroom, all of a sudden, I have 10 kids coming up, like, hugs, 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 which is great that they're asking. I was like, is this the time to do that? No, we're clogging the entrance. We got to go. Like, go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, it, it's very much a case of just, like, whatever people are like, oh, yeah, we really need to help people with autism learn this. I was like, you need to help everyone learn that. It's not just a, an autism situation. Exactly. And like you said, you know, there's so much that has been changing over the years with more awareness, whether that be research or just autistic people speaking their own perspective and their own opinions. And we wanted to know a little bit from your own perspective, what you think the most important change has been over the years? That is a tricky question because, like I said, when I, I won Miss Montana, that was, 
not expected. In fact, that was not even planned on. Like, um, when I, I first off, I was only like two weeks out of graduation when I won. So I was very young. I was the youngest person in that class when I had won. Um, it was intimidating very much because since I had autism, my mom, we were struggling trying to figure out what my um, platform would be. And um, I was like, I was very passionate about child hunger. I had started like a kid program at my school. I was, I was very appalled when I found out people in my community were going home hungry. I was like, oh, that one. And my mom's just like, well, what about autism? This could be a good learning experience for us. And so, you know, since this is your first time around, you're probably not gonna win. <laughs> she wasn't trying to discourage me. She really was excited I was doing, she was very much a pageant. Uh, person she was like I'm so excited like she this I was more doing it for like a scholarship she was very excited I could just dress up my daughter because I was never into dresses or anything like that she's like you can't escape me this time I'm gonna put makeup on you and you're gonna learn how to walk in heels and I was like oh god <laughs> so I just want to go to school <laughs> but um she went she's like well this could be a good learning experience for us and uh you know platforms are very much should be a case of just like the miss learns along the way as well and so I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, it could be cool, like everything like that. Then I won and I was like, oh no, I don't know anything. <laughs> and I was very concerned about it, but I also, my mom was like looking stuff up and we ended up buying into the fact that all advocacy is good advocacy. And that is not true. And if I could go back, I would change so many things about my um, my reign as Miss Montana, not necessarily, uh, my platform or anything like that. Cause the platform itself, I still stand by acceptance and awareness is something that even now, considering like the statistics is very strange that not many people know it. So I went through the whole thing and I went to so many like conventions and stuff. I just looking back, I was like, I can't believe I did that. That did more harm than good. I, I shouldn't have done that. And like, I went to autism one and I don't even agree with anything they say. And um, Generation Rescue, all these, like I, I wore the Autism Speaks pin everywhere. And I'm just like, looking back, I was just like, I, sh I should have done my research. I should have waited a year. I should have been more. And now everyone like associates me with those groups. And I'm like, I really don't agree with any of them. And I feel so bad. Um, and that's, you know, and I have a hard time like condemning them because people are like, well, you were there. And I was like, I know. And it was a dumb reason why I was there. It's because I was stupid. And I'm sure part of it was like, I was starstruck. It's like, people really like agree with me. Oh my God. Like I'm, I was getting all this validation that I've never received before in my life outside my family. And I think I got swept up in it. And it was this moment of just like, it wasn't until recently I really sat down and took stock of what I believed in. Cause I, you know, I went off on social media about like vaccines don't cause autism, like stop saying it, it's, it's not true. And even if it was stop treating autism like it's worse than a deadly disease. Um, it's, it really, it, it, it kind of opened my eyes and I was just, I was mortified that I had supported this in the past but more for the sake of I supported it because I just was like, well, all advocacy is good advocacy. And I just wish I could just like reach out to like the community that um, 
was always hesitant about supporting me because I was so, I was like, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't do my homework. I apologize. Um, but I, I won't apologize for my platform. Like for all the things I was very stupid and naive about when I was a kid, I, I, there's so many things I stand by in my reign. I just, you know, it's, you know, the always the, the things that you look back and you cringe at always are like front and center in your mind. And so I would, I definitely would have approached my Miss America campaign with a lot more research of just like what the community was as a whole. And some, some of the uh, organizations I supported at the time have really shifted. I like at, at that time, Autism Speaks, like it was slightly controversial at the time, but it did not have this massive like, ah, about it now. And I was, it, so, cause like, you know, my mom, she ended up getting the resources she could from Autism Speaks because we just had nothing near us. It, you know, the nearest Starbucks was an hour and a half away. Right. <laughs> so getting support with a child that had, you know, needs not being met. Um, when, meanwhile, she had three other children, one all the way already off to college and she has to pay for that as well. Like it was, it was hard. Uh, so I don't blame parents reaching out, scrambling for any support. Uh, like, so when a parent reaches out to autism or another organization that is very sketchy, I don't blame them for that. They're looking anywhere for any sort of support. Um, the inner workings of the organizations, that's another story. But when people say like, yeah, I got this from so-and-so and the fact that some people just tear down like these parents who are just looking for any sort of relief for their kid because their kid's going through a very confusing time. It's very hard. And that to me is not really acceptance. That's more of just like, oh, you went supported this group. Well, maybe this group might help a little bit more on like that, like that's leading them down the right direction, but confronting with aggression, it's never gonna work. It's it's never gonna work. So I agree with a lot of the advocates out there that these organizations need to reevaluate and or shut down. But hopefully reevaluate because I would hate all that like all that support and resources going to waste. But like, um, it's it's just not it's not going to help anyone by just being so angry. Be angry at the corporations. Do not be angry at the people looking for help. Right. Exactly. And I think it's really important for us to normalize changing your mind about things whenever you're presented with new information. So. 10 years ago, there was one premier autism organization. So everyone, when they thought of autism, they thought of XYZ organization. And that has continued to be so because that was the original organization that has gone on. And I think too, that um, you mentioned Autism Speaks. I think that they have also taken steps in, in ways and others to bring more actually autistic people on their their board and bring more people in have more research and and so i think it's it's very important for us to encourage if there is an organization that helps your family that is okay because it's helping you for your immediate needs right now 
And that's um, certainly helpful. I hope that's that's true. I'm, I hope like that's the whole thing is it's like I don't necessarily want these organizations to shut down or be like boycotted on Twitter or anything like that. But I need I just want them to get their act together is basically what I want. Um, yeah, if anything, people yeah. should be held accountable if if there are things that are not right or if they they can be improved. There's always a, a way to improve things. And, you know, the way that Francesca and I have discussed on Spectrum Sundays before is the more that we have actually autistic people making decisions for themselves. Yes. Experts. So um, as long as we're encouraging that within organizations, I think that over time, these organizations, they all want to help. They all have the common goal in the, in the right place that they want to bring resources to families and they want to make life easier for those that have autism or experience it on a daily basis. So it's just working together as a community rather than working against each other for that common goal. And that's the unfortunate thing. It's like, that seems to be what's happening now. It's like, obviously there's still a lot of things that need to be fixed in certain organizations and stuff like that. But the fact that we're just kind of like going at it and just like uh, butting heads and not actually getting stuff done it seems like almost like the advocacy is just like oh where well what are you what side are you on like oh my god like and obviously you need to be aware of who you're supporting and everything like that which I was not during my Miss Montana I was just like yay people are acknowledging me and for good reasons this time it's just like I it would they know how to entice people but um it's also to the sake of just you get so caught up in like what's wrong what's wrong what's wrong it's like you're not promoting the the things you hold as right it's like um there's this good organization in australia called uh yellow ladybugs and it's it's you know it's mostly for people uh women on the spectrum it helps like fill the bias and like it's and i was just like oh my gosh if we won't budding head so much, we could find out how we can open a chapter here in the States or in the UK or like all around the world. But no, we're just too like, oh, isn't this great? Why aren't you that? It's just like, help them out then. Like help bring like resources here, like, like wherever you're at. It's, we need something like that here, especially for women. I know there's a uh, organization for women and non-binaries, but unfortunately I don't have a name right now, which, um, again, I'm hearing good things, but they're a small organization. And I was like, well, my, like, instead of like going crazy about your hate for A, B, and C, pour your money into, you know, company D that you love and like, that is showing like only good results. And it's, it's like, you're going up against the big boys, but like, you don't realize like this little organization you have over here can be so much bigger and give that support that you want these companies to do and it's it's discouraging to see that we're so focused on bringing down you know demand that we're not just like let's build up what is like the real support and what is like what you're saying is like the real like the real deal and like that's what's that's I think it feels like that's where we're stuck right now it's like people are just so focused on bringing down these organizations but they're not helping the organizations that need it. Yeah. And I think that kind of, I was thinking of an analogy there with supporting small businesses. It's kind of like the same thing, you know, like you could either go to the chain restaurant or you can go to the mom and pop shop down the street. 
So I agree that we definitely need to get more information out about those small networks within the autism community so that more people know about it because like you said earlier, it's not one size fits all. So not one organization may be one size fits all for everybody, depending on what people need. Um, and then I think too, it, within this discussion of having an understanding of what you would change over time, if you could go back, um, a lot of advocacy focuses on the stereotypes and breaking down the misconceptions about autism, which I can pretty certainly say that you have been a face for challenging those stereotypes over time. Um, because like you said, you didn't see yourself as Miss Montana and you as a girl didn't see autistic people being Miss Montana or Miss America, but you were and you are and that's your legacy. So that's one barrier stereotype that you broke. Um, but over time, what have you kind of seen as the major stereotype about people with autism or a misconception that you wish people understood better about autism? I think what obviously like everyone thinks of like things like Rayman or stuff like that. Um, Sheldon Cooper, everyone, like that's a new one. And I'm just like, I actually didn't know what that was. And I looked at Big Bang Theory. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was just kind of weirded me out. But like, it's strange that everyone thinks like, oh, it's uh, a person with autism is these weird savants that don't have empathy. And I'm, that seems to be the thing. And it's couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the thing, like, and what gets me is that my mom always thought I was going to grow up to be one of them savants. And I don't, I, I kind of understood why I grew up, my special obsession growing up was outer space. I was going to be an astronaut. I was going to be the first woman on Mars. We haven't had a woman on the moon yet, but for some reason I was skipping. And um, I, that was my big goal. Like I, I, tra I trained myself to like astronaut food. Because like, what if we run out of water? I got to know like how to enjoy it when we, it's all dehydrated and gross. I trained myself to like that. Like my grandparents got me a NASA jacket, NASA hat, because I got to train for the job. Like I got to dress for the job I want. And uh, I was so into it. And it got to the point where my mom told me, I don't remember this, but my mom told me that I was, I had an astronomy like college book, like a college astronomy book. And I was finding mistakes in it. And she was just like, oh my God, <laughs> my kid's gonna be an astronaut. <laughs> she was freaking out, she was so excited about it. And all it took was one person um, to tear that down for me. Like I lost all interest in space. And that's what really gets me is like, it's so easy to like, not necessarily destroy, but maybe momentarily destroy a kid with autism self-esteem make them feel like they are nothing but you know disabled or anything like that and it's terrifying and um that alone first off disproved the other one that we are people without empathy and what i've learned is that there's different kinds of empathy um you know there's you know compassionate empathy which is our like we want to we want to help people out we like oh my gosh like if we see a friend down on the luck we're gonna help them out or you know if we're good people I've met some jerks on the spectrum but that you know it shows like you know we're just like regular people there can be jerks and there can be nice people it depends on who they are but like the ability to want to help someone down on luck we don't lack that uh 
we don't lack the ability to like relate to someone's feelings like we understand like oh gosh you know my friend's dog died my friend's really sad we can empathize with the friend like yeah that would be a sad thing and oh my gosh my heart breaks for them um what we have trouble with we don't lack this is something called cognitive empathy which is the ability to read between the lines we struggle with social cues we struggle with reading the room it's it's very but we don't lack that it's it's something that's we have to train at it's like not communication is something of let's say like people have an instruction manual on how to use communication they're born with it they eventually get like get understand it and they move on we're you know we're human beings we're communicative species it just comes natural to us um a person with autism gets that instruction manual but it's in a language they can't read so they gotta follow diagrams i gotta figure out how other people like they gotta look at other people building this like ikea bookshelf of communication which is some reason the analogy i'm working with right now but it's we got to figure it out without actually understanding it and probably like when someone says oh no i'm fine i promise but there's actually nothing like yeah okay good like i'll I'll move on i was like i won't actually like you got to tell me how you're feeling and so like now i'm like i told all of my friends i was like don't give me looks don't i don't want to do effort when i'm with my friends so like you got to tell me first and foremost and I, have, you know, I, I clearly have a lot of sarcasm. I can dish it, but man, can I not take it? <laughs> so it's, it's a problem. I'm getting better at it. I can do it, but it's not a skill that I was born doing. It was something I had to learn secondhand. And that needs to be addressed as well. It's just like, people just need to be first off more honest and open. Like they can't just be like, I'm fine when they're clearly not. Uh, they need to be open and like, cause stuff's like not going to get done if that like behind the scenes crap is happening. It's just like, we might as well just like be mad at each other, fight and get over it. It's just like more of a, we need to have more verbal communication and nonverbal communication is a beautiful thing. It's wonderful when both parties understand what the heck is going on. The problem is, is like, you can't always rely on that with someone with autism. It's not necessarily that they don't, and heck, they might be fantastic, like like fluent in it. Well, that's a sentiment that we've heard a lot from guests who are on the spectrum. They say that being literal is the best way for them to understand the world. So they take things literally, they interpret things literally. And I think that's kind of what you're speaking to is the reading between the lines. And, and that can be taken as a lack of empathy because other people are like, what do you mean? You can tell something's wrong, even if I'm saying I'm fine. So. Yeah, and like, I'm, my mom loved telling this story and I don't even remember it happening, but I believe it, um, was that my dad came in because he was, he traveled a lot growing up. So he came in, it was raining really bad. And he's like, oh my God, it's raining. Like his, she's like, oh God, how bad is it out there? Well, it was drizzling earlier. He's like, oh, I was raining cats and dogs. And I started screaming. <laughs> because then I was just like of course I had so many speech impediments in my family because I'm running around now I'm screaming I'm running around and I'm grabbing laundry baskets 
and oh. I'm stuffing them with blankets and pillows. And finally, my mom gets close enough because she's trying to grab. She's like, "Don't go inside. It's storming. Where are you going?" Like sort of a deal. And I'm just like, finally catches what I'm saying. I'm apparently trying to say, "Save them." Right. Save them. And I'm crying. And so she knows I'm not good. Like goofing off like because I, I do jokes like that all this time when I was a kid but like she knows this is not a joke and so I'm like she's grabbing me meanwhile I'm like trying to run out the door trying to save all these cats and dogs that are apparently falling from the sky and she at the time she was just like very like she's like it's okay honey but on her face she's just like <clears throat> like just like laughing because she's like oh no <laughs> this could be a problem later if this keeps continuing and the whole thing is like, as I also believe that people with autism need to laugh at themselves more. Because yeah. you can be a way happier person if like, it's amazing how little things can hurt you when you laugh at yourself. Um, that was the whole thing when I, you know, I, I experienced, like many people on spectrum experience bullying and stuff like that. The moment I started laughing at myself, I realized like all the power went away from them and it was now mine. I was the comedian, the crowd was mine. I stole their show in the thunder. And it was great. I loved making people laugh and I loved making, like anytime I laughed at myself, I was always in on the joke. I was fine with it. Um, and that's one thing I noticed, like not many people are willing to laugh at themselves. And that's a shame because I'm hilarious. <laughs> I am chock full of material and I, I never, never, never pass up an opportunity to like make someone laugh even if it's at like the expense of making myself a butt of the good joke because to me that's not an expense yeah I mean it's so important to have a sense of humor and you can never take life too seriously so as we're kind of wrapping up this episode today we really hit some really good nuggets of information and have loved hearing about your story and your journey and especially how you have made light of everything as to not let anything get you down along the way. First off, to interrupt you, I apologize. Uh, the whole sentiment of nothing gets me down. I never agree with that. There's so many things that get me down, even today. Like I still have my meltdowns. I still have sensory issues. Um, even at work one day, I was just like, uh, boss, I'm going to go in my car. I'm going to scream for a little bit. Uh, you're just going to have to be fine with that. Um, they were. Um, it's, it's not this case of like, nothing gets me down. It's like, nothing keeps me down. Mm. And that's the thing is it's like, everyone's just like, nothing get me down. Like I can't show any weakness. Like, I think that's like, not necessarily a good, uh, a good phrase. And I know you didn't mean that, uh, in that particular way. So I'm not like getting down your throat or anything like that, but, um, it's, it's okay to feel like, week sometimes it's okay to have these moments because god knows if you hold it in it's only gonna get worse but um just don't let it keep you down don't i love that i'm going to adopt that and say that to myself every single day as my mom you can't adopt it i, was just I, am in that full too. <laughs> I will go to court and we'll get do this the right way megan <laughs> i'll always tag you in it though i'll copy you you have it copyrighted i'll always yes. Tag me in the social media I have a hard time keeping up with. <laughs> well, I think that is a great message to send to our viewers too. I know I needed that in my life right now. But as we're wrapping up this conversation, is there anything else that you'd really just like our viewers to take away if they could remember anything for the rest of their lives from this conversation? What would you try to, um, to convey? 
Um, I guess just always take stock of what is truly important, at least in your journey with autism, and always try to uh, go forth with that in mind. It's, it's very strange that uh, a lot of people will always be like, I need to do this because that's what the community needs. And that's great. And like, always, like, it's always great to be an advocate that tries to reach as many people as possible. But at the same time, it's just like, you got to focus on you sometimes as well. Um, it's, it's a case of just like, who you are on the spectrum does not need to be sacrificed for everyone else on the spectrum. And if you need to take time just for yourself, no one should be able to like fault you for that. If you need to step away from advocacy or step away from social media for a while to sort yourself out, or like if you're having a, a bad sensory day or overload come in, there's no shame in taking time for that. And that's something I never really thought about, especially during my time as Miss Montana, was um, I never thought like, I'm, I, now I'm, you know, I'm a voice for a community now. Like I gotta, I gotta put my needs aside for, you know, the message. And what I didn't realize at the time was like, I'm not the voice of the community. I'm a voice in a community. And that voice needs to rest every once in a while. So just, especially now when, you know, mental health ain't doing too well right now for anybody, please take that time. Please just never be ashamed for being selfish every once in a while. Absolutely. We definitely need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and, and being very aware of what we're ingesting um, in our minds, in our bodies, in our hearts. So I think that that's an amazing message to leave with our viewers because we are in a community that is based in advocacy. And I think a lot of times we fear taking a step back because of what we could be doing in that meantime, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. So you have to take that time to care for yourself as much as you care for other people too. So thank you so much, Alexis, for being with us today on Spectrum Sundays. We really appreciated this conversation and loved getting to know you. And if you all enjoyed watching this episode as well, please make sure to follow Alexis. She is on Facebook and Twitter at Alexis Weinman and on Instagram at Alexis.Weinman. And you can also visit her website at AlexisWeinman.com. Well, thank you, everyone. And we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Miss Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi. And Francesca D'Alessandro, Miss Thousand Islands. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected to autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism.